We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everybody and welcome back to Veterans Minimum. I'm your host Nick Dayas at Nick Dayas Tennis. You can find me all things Veterans Minimum. Check out the website veteransminimum.com. My guest joining me, bottom of the ninth, bases loaded, two outs. I need this guy off the bat because he came through and he saved the day. My guy Henry Edinger, a member of Blue Wire. My guy coming in the clutch, hedging Henry. What's good, bro? If uh, it's last minute or not, I'm prepared. I'm ready. As you mentioned, I was doing the betting stuff, so I'm pretty much locked in uh, from Monday onwards for the next week, man. Excited to uh, to chat. Yeah, dude. I've been uh, I've been creeping on your page, on your TikTok. You're crushing it. The growth has been tremendous, and uh, we've had some conversations back and forth. And uh, I don't want to give away too much, but tune in for sure. Uh, dude, how'd that all come about, man? Because I don't... I don't remember having like betting convos with you. And then out of nowhere, I see your stuff and I'm like, yo, this is, this is some dope shit. Yeah. I mean, so a little peek behind the curtain, but I'm blue wires content manager. So I'm usually in charge of seeking out all of our new podcasters and talent and all that stuff. And, you know, we've been trying to find, you know, more people in the gambling space, more creators like that. And, and I've been betting, you know, myself for four or five years and I was checking all these guys out and I was like, you know, I do this. Like, why, why am I not creating content the same way that these guys are, uh, you know, and, and getting in on these sponsorship opportunities and getting in on all the all the cool stuff that comes with that. So I just get decided to start the TikTok one day with some encouragement from some other people at Blue Wire. Just started posting my picks, gave out some winners. People people followed. But uh, but yeah, man, I've, been, I've been doing it for like four or five years. Just hadn't really publicized it uh, until, you know about five months ago and now it's really taken off with nfl season because of course everybody cares more about football than they do about basketball player props or god forbid baseball i mean everyone that knows me when it comes to betting baseball i don't do it dude it's too chaotic it's too it's too volatile right a team can afford to go on a five game losing streak and no one's getting fired 
you lose five games in a row in the NFL, it's a wrap. <laughs> like you're out They're They're benching the quarterback. They're putting someone new in there. The offensive coordinator is being blamed and let go. Like it's completely different. So hats off to you, man. I see you do some baseball stuff and whatnot. That's pretty interesting. But what would you say is your, I would assume that football is your favorite thing to bet on, but you find betting on football yeah. difficult. Yeah, I mean, so football actually has been relatively kind to me betting uh, for the most part. And I honestly think it's getting a little bit easier as the public gets more and more into it. I don't know if you found this, but now that the, the public has some impact on lines, I feel like it's actually getting slightly easier. It, you know, typically the, the thought was always like football is the toughest sport to bet because, they, you know, the, the lines are the sharpest. It's the money they take, the, you know, the most action on. But yeah, football is definitely my favorite to bet. Uh, I NBA player props have been the thing I've made the most money on. Uh, I've only been doing that for two seasons, but the NBA player prop stuff is, a, as we've talked about, is a grind because you know, with all the matchups, all the players being ruled out, you really have to be locked in. Uh, but I love basketball in addition to football. I, I'm a that's the Ohio flag behind me. I'm from Cleveland, so I grew up a Cavs fan. Had LeBron in my life, so basketball is kind of my second love behind football. So. Uh, those are the really the two big ones for me. Must be nice to root for LeBron on your hometown team, that's for sure. As a Knicks fan, it's been uh, it's been rather difficult, man. It has not been fun. I can't I <laughs> yeah. can't wait though. The NBA stuff is interesting, right? Like, I I like the player props more than I do like the sides when it comes to the NBA. Yeah, and a lot of it has to do like I I guess I do a lot of daily fantasy, so like yeah. that is a lot of the research that you do for that is like directly correlated to like player props, right? So if you like a point guard, you know, you look at point guard matchups and you look at like center versus this team and whatnot, like there's ways to use like the fantasy aspect of things for your player props, which is like what everyone wants now, right? Like everyone loves player props too. It's a whole nother ball game yeah. to size and totals. I do think, I agree with you though, man. I feel like, the lines, I like betting on football games early in the week. Like, come Monday, I'm betting on Me it too. right away. And then the BS starts. And as you know, like later, as we get closer to Sunday, you get all the lines are skewed. Things are overinflated, underinflated. It all depends on like whatever side you are on. But to me, football, I think, is still the hardest to win in. Uh, People think it might be the easiest because yeah, because it's the most popular. It, that's not the case whatsoever, though. Yeah, exactly. Because it's you know it's the more people are betting on it, you know, the more Vegas is paying attention. You know, they they understand that they don't want to make egregious line mistakes. It's just and and frankly, because people think they know then Vegas makes even more money, right? Like that's how many times have we seen it? Like the Broncos in week one, just everybody is on the Broncos, right? The Seahawks win that game outright. I mean, Vegas just makes so much money when stuff like that happens. So yeah, I I agree with you that, that people always think they can bet football and it is not that easy, but I bet lines early in the week too. I've already fired off on four or five games. The only times I wait to bet are when I think, oh, the public's gonna come in all over this team. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm with you though. That I know there are other markets to find more value, but football's football, man. It is fun, and so that, that I mean that's why we love talking about it. We love betting it. Is it is the best sport? I will say to add to that, and then we'll get into what I, I want to discuss with you. 
I think the coolest thing about football and the biggest appeal is that it's once a week, right? Or, well, now yeah. you, have, you have Thursday, Sunday, and Monday, but a team is playing once a week. So it's perceived to be easier because you have all that time to take in all that information. That's one of the reasons why I love betting on UFC. I think UFC has become my favorite mm. sport to bet on. And it's also become the sport that I'm the most successful in. It's that and football to me are like my two favorite ones to bet on. I can't give out baseball plays, hockey plays, basketball plays. It's just like it's too difficult and it's too much to track. Late scratches, guys sitting on three, three days rest, guys playing the third game in four nights. It's just too chaotic, man. But I'm excited to see what the future holds for the betting stuff. One of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show is for this segment I came up with, and I'm calling it Pump the Brakes, right? And it's a lot of the, the media narratives and, like, the, the public conversations in the NFL that are going on right now, and a lot of them are overreactions. Like, Monday, Tuesday is always massive overreactions. Like, you know, last week the Vikings are winning the NFC. This week, like, they're going to have a top-five pick. It's, it's chaotic, get rid of Cousins and all that shit. That goes into it. So I have a list of topics here, and uh, I want to pick your brain, off, brain on these, and we're going to call this Pump the Brakes, right? So I'll introduce it, and then we'll just have the conversation on that. Jalen Hurts is going to be the NFL MVP. What are your thoughts? Pump the Brakes, Meg. Are people not paying attention to what's happening in Orchard Park this last weekend with Josh Allen? Are people not paying attention to the Chiefs with Mahomes? I mean, the, these guys are are on a whole nother level. I, I just can't get behind it. Now, Hurts as a, a, a quarterback that can actually be your franchise quarterback, now that's a different discussion because I've always been a Hurts doubt. I have not been the guy that's believed in Jalen Hurts, and he has shown things through his first two games to me that indicate real progress. You know, A.J. Brown was double-covered all night, and he went to, you know, his – tight end, other receivers, et cetera. But no, he is the only case for him to be the NFL MVP is that the Eagles are going to end up with the best record potentially in the NFC. But he he's not he's not anywhere near the level of Allen or, or Mahomes to me. And I, I think also Allen and Mahomes, their teams need them. Like the, those two teams don't run the football all that well anyway. So I think those two guys are going to put up massive stats. I think they're going to be the guys that ultimately end up battling. Dude, I folded my hands when you said the best record in the NFC because I had a prop before I left New York, and it's Philly to have the best record in football at 30-1. to 1. And Oh, that's tasty. Dude, they're favored in 13 of the next 15 games. The only games yeah. that they're it, – the, the Packer game is a pick em right now on the look-ahead lines, and then mm -hmm. they're a three-point underdog to Dallas because of the news of Dak – being back by then, right? Which is like a neutral, yeah. right? Three-point line for the most part. Yeah. His his odds are crazy, right? Because he's now the third favorite. It's Josh Allen, three to one. Mahomes plus four fifty. Jalen Hurts, eight to one. Yeah. Now, I, I'm with you, man. I felt like the thing about Jalen Hurts, which is fascinating, and it was weird because I always used to say this about all the other quarterbacks, but then when it came to him, I felt like he was a way better fantasy quarterback than he was a real-life quarterback. However, yep. that, 
that all changes when you get an alpha like A.J. Brown. Because now Devontae Smith, who I was a fan of him coming out from Bama, he's an amazing number two wide receiver. You have the tight end. You have Quez Watkins, who's your home run threat. You have a decent running. You have a very good running game with the collection of all the guys, not so much like an elite running back. And then you have one of the best offensive lines in football. Like PFF had them number one coming into the year. Or, or they were like top three, somewhere in that range. And it all fell on Jalen Hurts. Like people want to see is can Jalen Hurts be an actual franchise quarterback? Or is he a, a guy that's going to have games like he had on Monday where, you know, he scores two touchdowns on the ground. But then he also airs it out too. And he's just making plays. And I talked, I, I tweeted this out when I was watching him. He was making plays, Henry, that he didn't make at all prior to the season. Yeah. I mean, if you remember that that playoff game from last year, the Bucs embarrassed him. I mean, they they really did. And and frankly, the broadcast did a little bit too, in terms of what they were showing as far as, hey, look at him miss this read here. Look at him miss this throw there. Right. And you flip it to just you know, a couple games later, you know, this season, obviously at an offseason, but He's, you know, getting to his second read, getting to his third read, taking deep shots down the field, then takes what the defense gives him. Uh, I've been super impressed with him uh, as far as his development. I did not see this coming, but you said, I mean, we're talking about, I know the, the MVP doesn't actually always come down to who's the most valuable, but the guy's playing behind arguably the best offensive line in the league. He's got one of the best receiving cores in the league that also, as you mentioned, complements each other really well, right? You've got a big physical receiver and A.J. Brown. Then you've got the speedster, deep shot, you know, Quez Watkins. You've got Smith, who operates in those intermediate areas, but is really difficult to cover. You've got a great offense, a great offensive play caller. And then Hurts, yeah, is stepping up his game. But, uh, again, I just I, – I can't get there with him in this MVP buzz, man. Yeah, I do think we need to pump the brakes a little bit. But he's – based on their schedule, like I mentioned before, and how much – of the offense goes to him. Obviously, he's a quarterback, but also like the RPO stuff too. It's it, he's the be all end all for that offense. He'll be in the discussion, man, because I I had them at thirteen and four coming into the year, and I know it's only two and zero, oh. and I was very high on Philly. I was buying into because, dude, when you're a young quarterback, I feel like you need two things: you need to have an offensive mind. That's why I love Doug Peterson going to Jacksonville as your head coach, and then you also need a legitimate alpha wide receiver that could bail you out. And like you said, and like what I was saying in the beginning, they just complement each other so well. Like each one of them does something different, and collectively they have probably one of the best skill position players, units in the league right now. Um, the next one I have, they're 0-2 right now. They have a massive game week three against the Kansas City Chiefs. That line opened up at three. Now it's at seven. Are Matt Ryan and the Colts done? Stick or fork at them, done. Not an overreaction. Hey. Uh, now, if we're talking just this week, you know, I actually do think they've got a decent shot to keep that game close against the Chiefs. But Matt Ryan is not... Say, you know, is not providing the level of quarterback play that the Colts have gotten, even from, dare I say, Carson Wentz and, and washed up Phillip Rivers over the last two years. He's not even at that level. And quietly, this roster around him isn't what it used to be either. 
I, I, I mean, that look, that division's bad, but I, I bet Jacksonville to win that division before the season. I bet the over on Jacksonville's wins, and I feel fantastic about that right now. I think the Jaguars are a better team, a better roster, and have a better quarterback. So, and I don't think there's room for this team in the wild card either. So they're done to me. And I, I've liked Frank Reich as a coach. I think his teams do tend to get better. They tend to start the season slow, but uh, they, they, they don't have time for that. I mean, they're already 0-1-1 and against the division. Uh, I think this team's done and I, I, I think it's over. And I didn't think they were going to be this bad, but I'm out. Yeah, it's weird, man. The Colts historically just always have awful Septembers. Right, and then on the flip side, you look at Kansas That's City. True. You're looking at Kansas City, who they're playing. There, I think Mahomes has lost one game in September. It's something egregious ever since he got into the league. The thing that I want to defend Frank Wright on is every year he's had a new starting quarterback since he got there, and what it goes back to the thing I always talk about because everyone that listens to VM from the beginning or has been listening for a while, they know that I had the biggest man crush on Andrew Luck the year that he retired, Henry. I had already bet them to win the Super Bowl. Luckily, the book that I bet it at, they voided it, so I was able to get my money back. But I was I was so confident. I was like, they're going to win the Super Bowl. The offensive line was great. Uh, T.Y. Hilton was still a problem over there. And they just, the way they built the team, like that was the team for Andrew Luck. And then him leaving, and I know it's been five years now, I believe it is, or four years, it's still like altered the franchise forever, I think. Because this is a dude who, from there they go and they get, you know, they, they had like that revolving door of the quarterbacks. And then it's like you bring in Phillip Rivers and then you bring in Carson Wentz. And now you got Matt Ryan and you had Jacoby Brissett for a little bit. It's like, yo, we thought Andrew Luck was going to be our guy. Like Andrew Luck is probably still a top five quarterback in the league. Like, dude, is he's amazing. And imagine if he had this roster right now, too. Right. So the, the Colts, I, I like what you said about the Jaguars, too, because I was saying on the preview show how there's. There's only one team that can make the playoffs from this division. It's going to be the division winner. So I was approaching it as like, I would rather bet the Jaguars to win the division at nine to one at the time, as opposed to betting them to make the playoffs at like four to one. It's like, dude, they're not going to be a wild card team. The AFC is loaded. Like they have to win the division. And there were some people like, I know the, the sports gambling podcast guys, Ryan and Sean, they were hyping up the Texans. Like, yo, Texans are 35 to 1. All these, like, advanced, super advanced analytics stuff were saying, like, you know, they're only, like, a half game worse behind the Colts. And it's like, yo, they're 35 to 1. They're the favorite. It's a little bit different. But I I think Matt Ryan is just shot at this point, dude. And no Michael Pittman last week. I really – how about this take, Henry? I think he's the most valuable Colt. Michael Pittman. More so, if Matt Ryan was better, I would say that's the case. I mean, they don't have anybody behind him, but but they need Jonathan Taylor just about as much. I think. So this uh, this was this was my take, right? Jonathan Taylor, the drop off between and Taylor's amazing. He's probably the best back in the league, right? It's not diminishing him, but the drop off between Taylor to Hines as opposed to Pittman to whoever else there is massive. Yeah. So last week they were a four point underdog were the Jaguars, and then when they ruled out Pittman. I was like, yo, I think Pittman for this team, and I know it's crazy because this he's not a top 10 wide receiver, but he's probably worth like a point on the point spread, him not being in the lineup. And then they got obliterated. It's more so like a discredit yeah. to the rest of the locker room at the wide receiver position than it is like sliding Jonathan Taylor. 
But we spent a bunch of time on the Colts, man, and I'm reminiscing about Andrew Luck. I miss that dude. I wish he was still in the league, Henry. Uh, I think they're <laughs> I think they're done as well, man. I really do. I think I think the Colts, because I think the division is a lot better too. I think the Texans are going to be interesting. Uh, they've they've had some tough battles already, and and I think the Jaguars are the team to beat. I was off Tennessee. I thought Tennessee under nine and a half was my favorite bet across the entire NFL. If I had like an insane amount of money, that would be the one that I would bet all of it on because it's just like the roster is not good, um, and you know no wide receivers there, and you saw it on Monday. Uh, all right, the next one I got. Micah Parsons is the best defensive player in football. Another one, not an overreaction for me. Uh, you know, I think the the other guy I would argue for is T.J. Watt, but he's he's out right now. So to me, and I know everybody's going to say Aaron Donald, but Aaron Donald at this point, I don't. Yeah, is still incredible. I'm not saying he's not, but I don't think he has quite the same impact on the game that he did three or four years ago. And he plays a position that's inherently less impactful. I know they move him around, but Michael Parsons destroyed that Bengals team. By himself, basically. I mean, he is a game wrecker. And it's not like last year where people didn't know that he was this good, that they didn't know, you know, that he was going to be this big of a problem from the edge position. The Bengals' whole game plan has, you know, going into that week was they got to stop Micah Parsons. They chipped him. They did the tight end stuff. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. I think I and Browns fans will kill me for not throwing Miles Garrett in that conversation either, but. I've got Micah Parsons ahead of all of them. I agree with you. I think the way he impacts the game is way different than the rest of those guys. He could drop back in coverage. He could pick up running backs yeah. out the backfield. He could rush the passer like we saw. And, dude, the you were talking about him destroying the Bengals, and he absolutely did. What about the fact that Tampa Bay kicked all those field goals mostly because of him just causing mayhem in the backfield? Right. So like yeah. he's just he's just unbelievable right now, man. And and I'm nervous as hell. They're playing the Giants on Monday night football. That th- that's gonna be the first time, dude, as a diehard Giants fan and as someone who has not seen them be two and oh, I think in a very, very long time. I can tell you this, dude, it's a very popular ticket historically when the Cowboys come into town and a lot of Giants season yeah. ticket holders the last couple of years, they're just giving those tickets away or I mean selling them for the most part to Cowboys fans so it's always like 70% of the stadium is Cowboy fans and it's like yeah no shit it's not that the Giants fans don't care it's that they're not gonna go when the team is one and seven or two and eleven like yeah let me make some money off this because the Cowboys are always in contention and they're coming in once a year so let me make some money off that but I think this is gonna be the first time where the Giants are actually going to have a home field advantage in this game against Dallas on Monday Night Football. And you have the backup going in there. But I think the way Michael Parsons is playing, dude, this guy is just defensive player of the year right now early on. 100% for me as well. And and I'm on a slight side tangent, but this is why I don't envy NFL scouts because I watched Micah Parsons a bunch in college and I was kind of like, okay, what is he in the NFL? Is he a pass rusher? Is he a coverage linebacker? Like, what is he going to be? It turns out he's everything. Like, it turns out he, he can just actually do it all. It's one of those situations where it's, is it like jack of all trades, master of none? Or it's like, okay, actually, he's going to be the master of all of these things. He doesn't even look like 
a Miles Garrett or a TJ Watt out there, but it's effective. And as you said, he's everywhere. He's my defensive player of the year too. I do lean the Giants Monday night. Don't the Giants, Nick, feel like the team that's going to be three and zero, like the Panthers last year, like the Broncos last year, where they're going to be three and zero, and everybody's going to be so excited, and then they're going to finish like eight and nine. I hate to I hate to do that to you, but don't you feel like that's kind of going to be the case with this with this Giants team? I've been they got the up, coach. I've been throwing up the four since you said three and zero. I said it after week one. Oh, because they played the Bears, dude. Yeah. Three straight home games, and then they got a game in London against the Packers. London games are always out of control. They're always wacky. Then they come back, they have a bye week, and then they play Jacksonville on the road. So they don't have a real road game until week seven. And it's Jacksonville, dude. Uh, You might look up and the Giants might be seven and one, and I am not going to know how to act, Henry. I am going to (laughs) be very excited. And then the schedule gets a little bit more difficult, but these are the kind of games that you need to take care of business, right? It's still it's still a backup quarterback. That's one of the reasons why I said the three and zero because it was like, look, you you stole that game from Tennessee. Like that's a game that Tennessee is going to be like, shit, our season ended there, right? And what you saw on yeah. Monday was kind of validates that as well. And then you're playing week two. You're at home against Baker and the Panthers. All right. You, you kind of stole that one, too. That was a wacky game. Like, the only reason why I watched that is because I'm a Giants fan. Like, that game shouldn't have yeah. been on your Sunday ticket at all. And then you got the Cowboys coming in with the backup quarterback. And then you got the Bears coming in, too. So, it's going to be interesting, man. But Micah Parsons, right now, at the level he's playing, he can be that guy that could just, like, be the reason why the Cowboys win that game. So, I'm, I'm super nervous having to match up with him. Can I ask you a, uh, just a betting question, just to pick your brain mm-hmm. on this? Do you value home field at all anymore? Is that something that you still consider? Not as much as I used to. Uh, I used to always bake in two and a half to four points even, you know, for the Lambos of the world, uh, you know, those really hostile environments. I... It, uh, yeah, and this trend has been continuing, and I kind of thought, okay, is it COVID-related? Last year, you know, not all the stadiums, it's not quite the same. It's continuing again this year, Nick, where home favorites are under 50%. Short road underdogs are dominating the last, like, four or five years. Dominating against the spread, where Vegas is saying, hey, you know, the, the home team gets this edge, even though the road team's slightly better, uh, and... That, that just hasn't been the case. Uh, you know, outside of Buffalo, outside of maybe Lambeau, if it's cold, you know, a, a couple of places, I mean, it, I just don't see it as as a, as a big deal anymore. And, and I don't know about you. I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it too. But it just feels like so many of these, you know, uh, quarterbacks are just unbothered by it and, and that it really comes down to the passing game at this point and, and that teams have figured out a way to, to minimize home field advantage actually mattering that much for the score. I think what you said was is the answer. I think it's the level of quarterbacks now. And I love your take on maybe it being a COVID thing too, where these guys for a year played and they didn't have anyone in the crowd. So maybe – Maybe the fears of going on the road kind of got eliminated because of that. And then I ultimately think it has to do with the level of quarterbacks now. And as far as home field, though, I think you're right. It's like four or five venues that I weigh it more than others. Lambeau, Kansas City, Minnesota at home, right? Philly now. 
like Philly, when, when the Eagles are good, Philly cares, man. Philly cares. Giants, not much of a home field. But let's see, though. Let's see if they do go on this kind of run that I'm expecting. If they could get that back, right? South Florida, mm, Orchard Park, like you mentioned, Buffalo. Yeah, you don't want to play Buffalo, especially come December and January. L.A. Chargers, they don't have a home field, you know? Like, so... Not at all. It has to do with the quarterback, and it has to do with the with the stadium you're going into, which kind of leads me to this next one, man, and it has to do with Miami. Do you think Miami has the best offense in the NFL right now? Pump the brakes to the extreme on this, <laughs> Nick. No, 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 no. I'm not sure. You, you want a real take? You want a real spicy take? I'm not sure Miami has a top 10 offense in the NFL. So Wow. I mean – I, people lost their mind over what happened this last week, Nick. I okay. It, it, did Tua have a, a very good game? Sure. Did the Miami skill players look great? Sure. But the team still can't run the football. Uh, their offensive line is not as improved as people thought it was going to be, and the Ravens just broke down in the secondary. I mean, Tyreek Hill was open by like 10 yards on two different occasions in this game. If the Ravens secondary just doesn't have these huge communication breakdowns, they don't give up three touchdowns. And and nobody's talking about this Miami team uh, the way they are. They scored one offensive touchdown in week one, and it was on a broken coverage against the Patriots on a fourth down play. Uh, No, this Miami offense to me is not. Now, the receivers are scary. But the rest of it, I'm not scared of at all. I'm not sold on Tua. I'll remind people that Mitch Trubisky, as somebody who lives in Chicago, once threw six touchdowns in an NFL game as well. Uh, this does not mean that Tua is now the savior of this Dolphins franchise. And no, I am. I think they've got a good coach. I think they've got two good, great receivers. And the rest of it, I, I, I'm okay saying, is, is probably below average. Wow. I'm clipping that, dude. You're going to get attacked by South Florida. <laughs> the, the two of fans are going to come for me, and and that's okay, man. I'm I'm all right uh, standing on this island. Uh, and I was big on two of pre-draft, but I haven't seen it in, in the NFL, and, and that that did not dis- uh, that performance did not move me off my two of stance. Yeah, it was. It could be. It could be an outlier, right? Like that hasn't happened uh, ever before for them. And like the Ravens also blowing a 21 point lead in the fourth quarter as well. 28 points were scored by. Miami in that game, which is wild, right? Like, that's clearly not sustainable when it's the first time it's ever happened for you. But I don't know, man. I think I think the way the team is built and McDaniel, the way he likes to run his offense, I think it's sustainable, though. I, I don't agree that they're the best offense. I saw some of those takes coming around, but those might be the two hardest receivers to game plan for because they both are polar uh, com- carbon copies of one another. The player comp for Jalen Waddle coming out was Tyreek Hill because I remember the Giants had a draft pick high in that class and I wanted the Giants to take him. And it was like, if that's if that's the clone coming in and now they're both together and you see they're, they're top five wide receivers right now if you're playing fantasy uh, in yardage as well. And Tua's up there too in yards. But I would agree with you, man. I think I think we do pump the brakes, but I think top 10, like I would put them top 10 for sure just because of how vicious those two wide receivers are right now. And also, Gasicki is a great guy over the middle. 
Like he's a he's a top tier mm-hmm. tight end. I mean, there's not many of them, so I'm not really going out on a limb by saying that. But I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Miami. I asked this question to Kenny King Jr. on the Monday show because he's a Raider fan and he got to see Tyreek twice a year. How do you feel about? Because I think Tyreek leaving was both good for the Chiefs, clearly for Tua and the Dolphins, but I also feel like it was good for Tyreek. I I think it was good for everybody. I think everybody benefits from from that trade. I think the Chiefs, it was the right time to move on from him. I think that you'd seen Mahomes got uh, to the point where he was a little too fixated on trying to hit those deep shots with Tyreek rather than you know playing within the offense in Kansas City. And now they've got a, a, a receiver core that's not nearly as you know star-driven but complements each other nicely. Where they've got a few different pieces, and Mahomes is still making it happen there in Kansas City. I think for the Dolphins, uh, you know, this is it's great for for Tua. You know, again, I think he's got two awesome weapons on that offense, and credit Mike McDaniel for scheming it up too to get those guys open. And yeah, I think Tyreek is more appreciated now too. Nick, doesn't it feel like people are like, okay, this guy didn't didn't need Mahomes necessarily. He's just he's that good. He's that speedy. I mean. I, I know people that argue Tyree Hill is the best receiver in the league, and they'll say, hey, yeah, he's not the route runner that Devontae Adams is. He's not, you know, the go-up-and-get-it kind of receiver that, you know, a DeAndre Hopkins is or somebody like that. But speed kills, man, and you can't guard it. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is, and it does feel like people are, are seeing that nowadays in Miami. Especially when the narrative of Tua was that he was trash. And now he's making Tua look like an MVP candidate. And we're talking about them having yeah. the best offense in the league, too. So you're right. I think it was great for Tyreek, man, because now people could see that, yeah, I was a big part of that Kansas City thing, too. It wasn't just Mahomes making me look good. You know, and on the flip side, too, like Mahomes threw four touchdowns in a game last year without Tyreek. And they were going to be fine, yeah. as, as you could see now, too, with them. I, I think this is a nice little segue into what I think is the game of the week this weekend, and it's Miami and Buffalo. And two teams, 2-0, and battle the AFC East. I feel like the line on this game is over. It's a overinflation in favor of Buffalo. I, I think the line should be closer. Um, Buffalo's coming off a massive primetime win. I almost, by default, always fade teams coming off massive primetime game victories like that. Like, you know, they ended up putting in their backup quarterback. That's how much of a decisive win it was for Buffalo. And then on the flip side, you have Miami, who's at home, who got throttled by Buffalo last year in a, in, in a game. And now you have, like, the expectations of Miami, too. Now it's no longer, like, a, a shock that we're making these headlines. Like, we kind of expected it. How do you feel about this game going into South Florida, man? Buffalo is a six-point favorite. I'm seeing five and a half. Let's call it five and a half. But how do you feel about this game on Sunday? You're right uh, about all the things you said about Buffalo as far as, you know, fading teams off primetime games. I usually do that. Fading teams that go into South Florida early in the season usually do that. Uh, I'm, I'm just not going to fade this Buffalo team. I'm not going to do it. Uh, they, they have annihilated Miami the last couple of years. I think two is now 0-3 uh, against Buffalo in his career. Uh, but even, I, I think it was two years ago when Buffalo beat them with the backups, basically, right? When Miami needed that game to, 
to make the playoffs and, and Buffalo still beat them. Now, different coaching staff now in Miami. Uh, obviously, that, that has a huge impact. But we just talked about it. I, I, I mean, I think this Buffalo offense is going to score. And I don't know if two of them can keep up. I mean, what exactly about this Miami defense has been inspiring so far? Uh, they got throttled by the Ravens offense. Now, the Tua's brilliance in that game made up for it. And as I mentioned, what I, I perceive as the receivers brilliant slash coverage breakdowns from the Ravens. But yeah, I think, I think the Bills offense is going to light this Miami team up still. Uh, and I, if the line feels too high, you're right. But if you're asking me to bet on Tua to keep this game close, it's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. So I like the over, but it's probably just to stay away from me. Otherwise, uh, I think Buffalo is going to win. Yeah, it's a weird one. It's a weird one because I, I do think that the matchup definitely favors Buffalo across the board. Um, Xavier and Howard, at the time we're recording, he missed practice today too. That's their number one corner. So it's going to be interesting. But I just think like, you know, Tua, yeah, Tua 0-3 against Buffalo, but this is a new roster, man. It's it's completely different. Like Jalen Waddle wasn't on that, the team the first time that they played him too. And, and I think it's just different now having the Tyreek factor as well. You're right, though. Buffalo owns a man nine and one straight up in the last 10 meetings with Miami. And they're pretty comfortable in covering the spread, too. Six, three and one against the spread in their last 10. It's just sort of by default, dude. I kind of I'm hesitant because I feel like, you know, we've seen this happen 18 times since 2000. Check this trend out, Henry. Teams that are two and oh against the spread. Going on the road in week three. And they've covered the spread by double digits. The dog in week three covers 65% of the time. Wow. 65% is like ask your parents and grandparents for money to be a professional better if you get 65%. Yeah. Like, so that's a that's a significant trend. And a lot of that has to do with what like I'm talking about. It's the overreactions. Or maybe these lines, Buffalo's the most wagered team to win the Super Bowl by a lot. Most tickets, most money. Josh Allen was the preseason favorite. I think it was like 22% of the handle was on him to win MVP. They had two primetime games and they beat the piss out of both of those teams. And then you have Miami coming in, people feeling like how you are with like, ah, it's a fluky win, you know? Like they they came from behind. I'm not impressed by them. It seems like one of two things are going to come out from this game. Buffalo is just going to be a buzzsaw and completely just dominate people the rest of the way. Or, or we pump the brakes on Buffalo. Let's like just, just a little bit, you know? We're going like 85 on the expressway. Maybe we should go to the speed limit on this one. I, I, I hear you, and as, as you said, all the, the trends, all of the betting principles that I usually follow are, are on the Dolphin side. You know, a home divisional dog in the first eight weeks, we didn't talk about that, but that's another, you know, a big betting trend that's, you know, right around 60%. But I'm just not doing it, man. I just, I, I'm not fading this Buffalo team. I, I know the public is going to be all over them, too. And they just, to me, they are extremely well coached. Mm. They are a very, very solid roster. I mean, maybe the most complete roster in the entire league. And I just think Josh Allen's on another level. I, I, I was, I had the Rams uh, in Week One against this team, and he came out, and I was like, "Oh man, what am I doing?" 
what am I doing betting against this guy? I mean, he's just surgical. I mean, it's almost like those college mismatches where it feels like the offense is just going to go down and score every single possession. And I, I just, I can't get behind the Dolphins, even though I probably should. You know what the craziest thing about Buffalo is as well? And this is kind of going to go against the, the defense of Miami that I have going into this game because I, I like Miami with the points, and I think Miami has a chance to win this game outright as well. I also feel like Buffalo hasn't really played to their potential too. Like they've left a lot of plays on the table, dude. Like they, they've probably left like about four touchdowns on the table. Just, you know, guys dropping a, a, a third and two or Josh Allen just a, a rare throw that he can make that he just doesn't. Feels like they they can be even more dominant, which is scary to think about. Yeah, I think that's also part of the Josh Allen experience, though, is he's yeah. never exactly been the most precise quarterback, but they just they they find a way out of it. Okay, they you know, they miss the third and two, they just go for it on fourth down. They run the ball with Josh Allen and get it. I mean, it just it just feels like right now they have all the answers and the defense, too, it seems much improved. I thought that defense was overrated last year. Just if you go look at the quarterbacks that they played, I know they ended up with the number one you know, overall defense, but the, the schedule of quarterbacks they played was horrendous. And then when they played the Chiefs in the playoff game, I thought they were a little bit exposed. They're way better this year. They're way better. They, they, they've got Vaughn Miller now. That defensive front is way better. So, I, yeah, I, I'm all in on this Bills team, man. I know they're uh, uh, everybody's on it, but I am, too. I just I can't. I can't see out uh, another way. No, nah, I like it. I like it when, when when I disagree with someone. So we'll see. We'll see who was right, who was wrong on this one. I do like Miami to to cover this game and maybe even pull the upset. I yeah. want to ask you first. Uh, the last game we'll talk about is is Tampa Bay versus Green Bay, the battles of the the bays. I guess you could say uh, the game is in Tampa. I don't understand the suspension for Mike Evans, dude. How do you feel about him getting suspended? Because this is a massive game for him to miss, especially when you factor in that Julio's banged up, Godwin banged up, Russell Gage banged up. You already don't have Gronk. It's like, damn, dude, it's going to be Scotty Miller and, and, and Perriman, who I think was on the injury report as well. Not good for Tampa. Yeah, I didn't love the suspension. I mean, that game, that whole game was back and forth, extremely physical, guys going at each other after the whistle. And, I mean, you could hear Mike Evans say it. It was really funny when that clip came out afterwards, right, where he, uh, he was explaining himself to the refs and saying, what do you want me to do? It's Tom Brady. But it wasn't like Mike Evans just, like, you know, came off the sideline throwing punches out of nowhere, right? There was some jawing going back and forth. He defends his quarterback. A one-game suspension for that feels, dare I say, soft. It just feels soft. I just – I don't like – Guys being suspended, you know, it's not Marshawn Lattimore wasn't hurt on that play. It wasn't, you know, anything egregiously dirty or anything like that. So I, I didn't love the suspension. And dude, there's also the history of them, too. They've been going at it since Lattimore yeah. came into the league. And it wasn't like you said, it's not like now if Lattimore, uh, Lattimore you know, pulled a hamstring or rolled his ankle and he's out for three weeks. I'd be like, all right, man, because of that hit, I, I get it. Right. Like, I think in hockey. I'm not the biggest hockey guy. I follow like the Rangers, but I think in hockey there's like a like a suspension thing that gets matched if if you lay an illegal hit on someone and it turns out that they end up missing like 10 games, your suspension is that long as well too. I'm not I'm not really sure. I could be talking on my ass on that yeah, one, it, but I remember seeing I remember there being something similar because it happened to the Rangers. 
a guy on the Rangers got hurt, and then he was out for like two weeks, and that player ended up getting suspended too during the playoffs. It was many years ago, though. Yeah, I'm not the biggest hockey guy either, but uh, I do I do know that oftentimes that like in playoff series, if there's like an illegal hit where the guy's out for the series, they'll often suspend the other guy for what would be the remainder of the series or something like that. So I do know that plays into it. I don't know if there's like a perfect match in terms of like how long it takes them to come back from the injury. But yeah, they're, they definitely take that into account in hockey as far as, okay, that guy got hurt, uh, which makes sense for, you know, these physical sports, right? Um, and as I said, it's not like Mike get. I mean, the odds of Marshawn Lattimore getting hurt on that play are, are basically none, right? Because Mike Evans shoved it, man. Like, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't anything that egregious. Yeah, it does It does seem soft. And also, like, the timing of it is really bad because not having Evans out there is going to be massive, especially mm-hmm. when you have Jari Alexander, who's one of the premier corners in the league. I think this is like a little bit of a revenge spot for Green Bay. And they're catching Tampa right now where you would want to catch Tampa. Hurt on the offensive line, all these wide receivers out. Whatever craziness is happening with Brady and his personal life, I think that is coming into the football field as well. And on the flip side, Green Bay, like their strength for their team is their defense. Their defense has been amazing through the first two weeks. I would even say that against Minnesota, outside of like trying to stop Justin Jefferson, who I think a lot of people are going to have trouble trying to contain him and stop him. Like their defense played pretty well too. And then what they did to to Justin Fields, I know Justin Fields, but what they did to him and 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 shutting down the Bears, I think this is a perfect time for Green Bay Henry to be catching Tampa. How do you feel about this matchup heading into Week Three? See, I lean slightly the other way. Now, I I you know from a betting perspective, I love the under in this game. Uh, which we can talk about why, but that also plays into why I lean the Bucs uh, in this game is I think the Bucs have the best defense in the NFL. And I don't think anybody's talking about it because they've been really good the last couple of years, but that secondary got super banged up last year. It was a mess. It's healthy this year. I mean, it, Dean, the safety, I mean, they, they've got so many playmakers across that defense. And this Packers offense, I don't think looks right. I uh, I know they, they were able to put up points on the Bears, but I'm not seeing uh, a lot of explosiveness out of this offense. They've got the two running backs. I've got concerns about their offensive line still. I'm still very concerned about the receiving core as a whole. You know, unlike Kansas City, you know, where there's no star receivers, uh, at least those guys seem like they make plays and complement each other. I'm not sure anybody's really making plays on this Packers uh, receiving core consistently enough that I feel good about it. So I, I think this is going to be a, a low-scoring, gross game. You know, everybody's going to build it as Rodgers versus Brady. But I think this is going to be the Bucks defense versus the Packers defense. And I like the Bucks defense slightly more. Yeah, that's exactly what I think this game is going to be, too. A battle of the defenses where it's both of these teams offensively, I think, are changing their identity, too. Like, I don't think Tampa Bay is... Like, I wouldn't be starting either of these guys on my fantasy team. I wouldn't even have them on my fantasy team, truthfully. It'd be matchup dependent. Where, like, in the past, you never benched Brady, you never benched Rodgers, regardless of the matchup. I don't think because of the talent around them right now, I'm talking about, like, at this moment, heading into week three, especially for Tampa Bay, because those guys are going to come back. It This has, like, 20 to 17 either way written all over it, in my opinion. I, I agree, and... Again, the reason I lean the Bucks is 
Haven't we seen the Packers in these type of games? And doesn't it always feel like they lose when it gets, you know, when it really gets physical, when it really gets to grind it out football? And that's, again, what I think this Bucks team is, as you said, changing their identity. Even on the offensive side of the football, the Bucks are running the ball a lot and pretty successfully, you know, so far this season. I, I mean, I'm not going to go as far to say they're like that, that Broncos team with Peyton Manning at the end because Brady's not that, and they got – you know, wide receivers and skill position players. But to me, this is a defense and run the ball type of team. And I feel like that's the team that the Packers seem to not be able to beat the last couple of years. They get out physical when it really matters. And so I don't know. Again, I'm not I'm not super confident in this play. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, as you said, I like the Packers defense too. You know, Rodgers, tough to bet against him. The Bucks are all banged up. But I, I, I don't know, man. I, I kind of think that, that the Packers uh, don't match up with the Bucks quite the way that, that people think they might. Yeah, I think the matchup is going to be rough for them offensively because the way Green Bay wants to play offense now is running the ball and using the two running backs and Jones out the backfield and the ground and pound with Dylan. However, it is a bad matchup for you to try to do that against that front seven for Tampa Bay. And right now, I don't think you have those receivers that could win those one-on-one battles for Green Bay. So... It's going to be fascinating, man. I think this game this game last year would have been like the game of the week. This year, I'm not as excited for it because I do think it's going to be a defensive affair. And yeah, it's going to be billed as Rodgers versus Brady, but it's it's going to disappoint a lot of people if that's how it is billed. Who you got in this game? Uh, I lean Bucks. Man. I, I'll take the Bucks at home. Uh, it's still, as I said, I just think that I haven't seen the toughness out of this Packers team when, when push comes to shove against these great teams. I think they say they fold. I mean, they just they fold. And I know, I, you know, some of the 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 things point to the Bucks being in a bad spot right here. But I'm going to take I'm going to take them anyway at home uh, against the Packers. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I think Tampa Bay is going to move on to three and zero, and I think. People are going to start to worry about Green Bay once again, like after they did week one also. But it's just a bad matchup, and the timing of it is bad. Henry, this was a pleasure, dude. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, like I mentioned in the opening, you came on last minute. Thank you for giving me your time. Tell the people what you're working on, where they could find you, and the floor is yours to plug away. Yeah, I mean, we already talked about it at the top, so I won't take too long, but uh, hedging underscore Henry on TikTok. Uh, I'm Henry underscore Ettinger on Twitter. Uh, not doing any full-time podcasting anymore, but uh, yeah, other than that, just behind the scenes at Blue Wire trying to trying to get us more great content like this show. So that's, uh, that's pretty much it for me. Dude, you're the man. Thanks for coming on once again. Veteransminimum.com is you can find all things VM. Shouts to the members of the Patreon. Appreciate you, legends. At Nick Day is 10 is where you can find me. We'll catch you guys next time. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.